Hi, Marked listeners. We're planning some exciting things for the future of the podcast, so we want to hear from you. Take our fun survey and give us all of your opinions about Marked to enter for a chance to win a Lifeway Women backpack filled with Bible studies and other great resources for diving into God's Word. To take the survey, go to lifewaywomen.com slash podcast or click on the link in our show notes. We can't wait to hear from you. This is the Marked Podcast from Lifeway Women. We're your hosts, Mary Margaret West and Elizabeth Heineman. Each episode, we'll talk about what God's doing, how He has and is marking each of us. Sometimes that will be through interviews, and sometimes we'll have conversations around the table. We're so glad you joined us today. Before we launch into today's episode with Priscilla Shire, we wanted to let you know about two quick things um, that are available for you now. Um, Both of these you'll be able to link to in our show notes, or if you use the Apple Podcast app, you can click right over from there. Uh, But the first one is a Bible study called Defined. Um, It really is just a walk through the first couple chapters of the book of Ephesians and talking about identity. And so if that's something you're interested in, we would love for you to find out more online and you'll be able to click through that um, in the show notes for today. And also, we wanted to tell you about a book called Radiant. The subtitle is His Light, Your Life for Teen Girls and Young Women. And so Radiant is almost like the personal story of Priscilla as she walked through her teen years, her young adult years, when she was kind of learning what her identity in Christ was. So those are great partner. Buy them both. um, Walk through the Bible study and read more about Priscilla's life and how she has seen this manifest. Yes, so these are big things she's been working on for the last year, and we're excited to share those with you. And so um, we hope you enjoy today's episode. We are so glad that y'all have joined us again on this week's episode of the Mart Podcast. This is one that Elizabeth and I honestly have been talking about for a long time. Yes, for... I mean, before I even started co-hosting, I feel I know. like. We've been saying we need to have Priscilla Shire on the podcast, and yes. she is here with us today. Welcome, Priscilla. Hey, how are you doing? We are good. We are so good. We're excited to chat with you today about just all things, some fun things you've got coming mm-hmm. out this fall and that are happening in your life right now, and um, just catch up with you a little bit. Yeah. Thanks so much for making time for me. Absolutely. Why don't you start off, um, probably most of our audience is familiar with you, but some may not know that much about you. So just tell us about yourself. What do you do? Yeah, well, tell us about your family. I have the privilege of, sorry? Oh, sorry. I just said, tell us about your family. What do you do? All that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, I my full-time job is that I raise sons. So I've got three of those. Right. And, my, and I just spend most of my time trying to figure out different ways to cook chicken for dinner so I can feed <laughs> these people. Um, and so I just spend time doing that. And um, they're teenagers now, the oldest two are. So it's like a full-time job. And Jerry and I have been married for 20 years now. And then we get the privilege of also kind of as a family being in ministry together. And that's been such an adventure over the past 20 years. It it was something that I hadn't really planned for. This is not what I thought I'd be doing with my life. But I guess when you sort of yield to God and say, well, Lord, whatever you want to do, then most of the time he takes you on an entirely different trajectory than you would have ever planned for yourself. And that's certainly the case with us. Yeah. 
That's awesome. And I love, too, that you said that your family is in ministry together. And because um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of times it can look like, oh, I'm in ministry, but and then and then I've got my family. But how, um, you know, just to kind of dive in, how does that look like for your family right. as you are working on different projects and doing different things? Like, how do you incorporate family into all of those things? Absolutely. Well, part of it is, and I learned this so much from my parents, my my dad and mom started the church that I still attend to this day when I was one. So mm-hmm. I've known nothing other than sort of watching parents do ministry. And I just remember that it was our whole life, meaning not ministry to others, but they really just love Jesus. So when we were at home, we had family devotions together. My dad wasn't just teaching everybody else. We would sit down and have devotions and it was chaos. As you might imagine, it would be with four kids around a table trying to have a little devotional, but my parents were intentional and um, consistent in doing that. It certainly wasn't perfect, but they were consistent. And so that's what the main thing I mean when I say we're in ministry together as a family is that we want our boys to see that, you know, this is our real life. Like it's not like Mm -hmm. some job we do out there and then we have no connectivity to it in our own home. Mm -hmm. Um, So just um, helping them to see the joy of the Lord in our lives as we serve him and then bringing them along with us. So for when we go, you know, outside of our home. So for a lot of years, we homeschooled our boys and they just traveled with us. They just went everywhere with us. Yeah. And every church and uh, conference that we go to, you know, they attend the kids events and all that stuff during the day or, or kids service, one service. But then they've always served another service um, or served during the conference in some capacity or helped load and unload boxes of books or whatever. We just sort of all do it together so they won't feel like, you know, this is something mom and dad do. Mm-hmm. No, it's something our family does. God's called our family to do do it. And in in regards to like, you know, film, which is something that the Lord has layered into our ministry that I would have never, ever expected, but they've been on the movie sets with us and they've sort of interned and just sort of helped and cleaned off the furniture on the set and all of those things. They've even been extras in the films Mm. um, so that again, we can all kind of participate together and realize it's a ministry that God has called us to, to share his love Um, however we have opportunity to do that, whether it's in passing out bulletins or wearing a volunteer shirt and helping to prepare a conference room for some folks or yeah, cleaning off the set for uh, the filming of a movie, all of it is serving God. That's awesome. I love it. Yes. And I think you alluded to a little bit of this, of what you've got going on right now, but we know that you have a lot going on with filming and um, writing and all that kind of stuff So and events. So if you could just kind of share a little bit more about what all you have going on right now, what are some things that you're working on and what can women like join you in being a part of? Well, I just sort of completed the writing of Radiant, which is a book for young women or the young at heart, Mm -hmm. because I think that it's for all of us, really. The topic of identity is so comprehensive. We never sort of arrive at this successful place. We have to keep on growing. And so uh, being a young woman is a great place to start with just really recentering your identity and making sure it's rooted in who God says you are so that you can make healthy decisions from a place of wholeness um, and significance. Um, So I've written a book on that and then defined is a Bible study on Ephesians 1 and 2, which, you know, the Apostle Paul spills over himself, just rehearsing who you are and what you 
have as an adopted daughter of God. And so I've just sort of finished those uh, resources that are going to be available here in the next couple of weeks. And those have been the main things on my plate this year, um, just wanting to try to steward the message of Overcomer which is this next film. And and that's the whole theme of the film is identity. Mm. And all of us that are involved with the film want to do our best to honor God with the message and be good stewards of it and try to help the daughter. God in particular, but, but the entire body of Christ to be equipped to stand firm against the schemes of the enemy secure in our identity in Christ. That's awesome. I yeah. love that. And that's, I think, you know, Elizabeth and I work in girls and women's <laughs> world here at Lifeway. And so that topic of identity is one that we get quite, we ask about all the time. Yes. And, you know, how can we help girls and women better understand who they are in Christ and why this matters so much? And I think for us, like that's something we're so excited about is just to have something we can point um, girls and women to. Mm-hmm. And I love to just that you have, um, you know, talked about women as just, you know, being the young at heart, because I think there are things that um, for us as women who, you know, may, we may not consider ourselves young. Like I, I turned 35 this year. And so like the, I'm like, I don't think I'm a young woman anymore, but I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure, but like, I would love to be classified as one, but yet the same issues that I deal with now are like, it's the same stuff I dealt with as a teenager. Mm-hmm. It just looks different in this context. And so totally. I, I love that, how you wrapped those pieces together. And so for somebody who may wonder like, what's the, cause I actually had somebody ask me today, what's the difference between radiant and defined? Um, you know, how would you kind of like, if if you were explaining those two things, how would you explain them to, to somebody who wanted to know? Yeah, well, uh, the Bible study is just that. It is a, more of a systematic study of portions of Scripture that deal with our identity. Um, so there's, of course, because I can't help but to relate um, Scripture to specific things that are good illustrations in a practical sense. So there's still lots of stories and um, illustrations and nuances to help us apply those principles, but that really is the plumb line of the Bible study, that it is literally, let's look at this verse, now let's break this verse down, and I'm going to ask you questions that you can respond to. And of course, we've as, as all the Bible studies, we've given you room to write there in the workbook so that you and the Holy Spirit really can do some business in your heart in regards to this. Yeah. Radiant, on the other hand, is a trade book. So it's chapter by chapter. And I get the opportunity in a, in a book like that to talk a lot more about my own my own life. I get the chance to be a little bit more personal because there's just more more landscape to yeah. do that, more room. Um, so I, I was able to be real personal um, in a way in the book that I didn't have space to in the Bible study because I wanted to commit that those pages and that prime real estate to the study of scripture. But in the book, I'm able to reach back to my teenage years and my early 20s and really talk about some some of the funny things, some of the hard things, some of the ways that I struggled with my own identity and how the Lord has used all of those instances to just sort of reframe and reprioritize my um, outlook on who I am in God and what that practically means. It means that I I make decisions differently today than I did when I was 20 because I have a, a better understanding now of who I am. In other words, mm-hmm. if you know, for example, Ephesians 1 says that you're chosen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if you really believe that, think about how different your decisions will be if you make them from a place of knowing you were already accepted 
rather than right. trying to gain acceptance. Mm. Man, that changes the relationships you allow. That chooses changes the guy you choose to date. Mm. That changes the career path that you might even choose. I've met some women who wake up in their 40s and 50s and look back, y'all, on decades of their life and realize none of this has been satisfying to them. Mm. And when they really put their finger on it, it's because they've constantly made choices to try to find their significance in other people or in the approval or applause of some standard of success that's been set that they were trying to accommodate. Mm. And so then they look, they wake up one day and go, wait a minute, I haven't even lived a life that's purposeful or things that I'm passionate about. I've ignored all of that because I didn't make choices from a place of security and acceptance and knowing that I'm already chosen so I don't have to gain the approval of other people. Mm -hmm. So the book allowed me the opportunity to show you some of those missteps in my life, some of the decisions I made that were, they were based in insecurity. They were based in my desire to kind of fit in, to meld in, to not stand out and be the unique individual that God created me to be. Mm. So in the book, I'm able to sort of explore some of that personal stuff. Oh, that's fun. I love mm -hmm. it. Well, I can't, I'm excited to dive into both of them. Yes. So I will claim I have, that young at heart label. <laughs> I got to read there the Bible go. study, but I haven't read Radiant yet. So I'm excited to read that. They're both and like you said, it just affects your identity. Being secure in Christ affects every part of you. Yeah. And I think that totally. is such a needed message. We were just talking today earlier with some friends here at work about how your 20s, each decade has its challenges and it's um, and it's different in each decade. But I feel like your 20s are very like you change so much from year to yeah. year. And I think a lot of that is because we are trying to figure out who are we? And that starts in the teen years and then moves into like the early 20s, especially. And around like 27, 28, I feel like we're starting to finally find security in yeah. that. Um, but like you said, anybody can can use this message because I think it's constant. It's a constant need to be reminded of who we are in Christ, even if we know it already. Just that reminder is so helpful and practical. Absolutely. You know, and Priscilla, you are, you're a busy woman. You have just filmed another movie. Um, we all loved War Room. And now, um, Elizabeth, have you seen Overcomer yet? I have not seen that yet. I haven't either. Every, I they, know. I know. We, um, it worked. A lot of our friends have seen it already, but we have not. But we yes. will, um, we both can't wait to see it. And um, and just to see, um, you know, what it is that God is doing and how he can use unique methods to reach, mm -hmm. uh, reach people for the gospel. And I love that you've been able to do that, you know, um, but I love that too, even as a mom of boys, and like you said, you involve them in your life so much that you um, have invested so deeply in the lives of women and young women. And, you know, that's obviously important to you, especially considering these projects you've been working on the last year. And so um, for the women listening today, what are some practical ideas for how to lean into the next generation of women? And why, why is it so important that we, um, that we do that we are proactive and we engage them um, not only just casually, but also about spiritual things? Yeah, I think about that a lot when um, actually I'm, I'm in the process of just studying on and thinking through Elijah. I think I'm going to write a Bible study um, on Elijah. Mm. And, um, you know, he went and found Elijah. It mm. was on. It, he took that on as his responsibility to go and get that man and mm. put a mantle on him to make sure he was leaving something with someone else. Yeah. And I think as we do get older, Mary, as we do decide that we are indeed getting older, <laughs> then what we have to do is say, okay, Lord, open my eyes to 
see a young woman that doesn't even know she needs to be taught something. Because that is, to be honest, one of the great hindrances of younger people. Mm -hmm. And I I recognize this in myself when I was 20. I mean, you kind of just think you know everything. You think you're okay. You don't know that you actually need help. You're not aware of it. And so it takes someone with a little maturity on them to see you and be compassionate toward you because, hey, I've been 20. I've been there. I've done that. Mm -hmm. There are pitfalls that you have no need to fall into because I've already fallen into them. So let me help you. And so I'm so grateful for the older women in my life. The Lord has given me, man, when I look back on it, some great mentors, some have been over the course of a lifetime. Others were for different seasons of my life. And those women, many of them, not all, but many of them sort of, the Lord laid me on their heart Mm. and they made it their business to see about me. Mm -hmm. And um, they invited me into their world. And that's what I think we need to remember about mentoring, that it doesn't necessarily have to be that you got to carve out time away from your family and away from your life to go and invest in this younger woman. No, invite her into your world. Mm -hmm. I have learned the most from some of my mentors just by being in their world. They were busy doing their own stuff. I was just watching. So I remember in my early 20s, um, as an example, Anne Graham Watts, asked me to come with her to several of the events that she was doing. She wanted me to emcee it. Now, this is like, I'm, I'm like 22, 23 years old. Yeah. I don't know if her intention was to maybe have a younger person there so there would be a younger person on the platform. I'm sure she had many layers of reasons. Um, but this is what I know. What I know is that because I was there, I got to not only see her several, many, many times teach, you know, an, audit, uh, an arena full of people, but I got to see her in the green room. Yeah, That's mm-hmm. what I remember. Mm-hmm. I remember sitting back there in the corner, you know, 22 years old, just watching what happens with Miss Anne and her children, her grandchildren, um, her integrity. I ho- overheard some phone calls that she was just, somebody would call and she'd have to deal with something in her regular life between sessions and she's doing those phone calls. I got to see what it looked like to be a woman of ministry mm-hmm. off of the platform. Yeah, mm-hmm. And so much of what I saw there shaped and informed the ministry that I didn't even know at the time God would have for me. But that got shaped and informed because I just was invited into the private space of another woman. Mm -hmm. And so I think when we allow a single woman, for example, come over on Thursdays, every other Thursday, just come over. You can help me with dinner. You can hang out with my family, participate in our Uno game, watch TV with us. (laughs) That single woman watching a married couple deal with each other, deal with their children, go through a regular Thursday evening is going to inform and shape the way she handles her own family when that season comes in her life. So just being open and inviting someone into your space, man, that's the best discipleship ever. Uh, I I totally agree. And one thing I love about your story, I've heard uh, a few times about your various mentors and people who have discipled you over the years. And one thing I love about it is that you have very strong Christian parents that are both leaders. And so some people may look at some of our young women in our churches and say, oh, well, they've got it covered like their parents are you know, it's the pastor's kid or whatever. And so they they don't need somebody else to mentor them. But just hearing your story over and over and hearing like everybody needs somebody that is maybe different from their parents in whatever way, maybe like 
for your example, Anne was doing something that she saw that you might be good at and gifted in. And so to kind of demonstrate that for you in that way was something that your parents may or may not have been able to do for you because they're your parents and because we don't always listen to our parents and all that kind of stuff. And um, so I just think that's so important and something to remember when we're looking for people to mentor just because they may seem to have it together with their family unit or whatever there's still room for us to disciple and mentor those women as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I would completely agree. I think that we see other people, all of us do this. I'm guilty mm-hmm. of this. We see other folks and they always seem like they have it all together. Mm-hmm. And you can see this veneer. Um, maybe the, the the young lady is dressed really nice all the time. She always has a smile on her face. She's got, quote unquote, a great um, functional, healthy family. And so you feel like, well, I won't deal with her because she's okay. I'll just take on this person who has clear, obvious needs. But you're right. Everybody's got something going on that they could use the wisdom, insight, compassion mm-hmm. of someone else kind of pouring into their life. I was with Catherine Wolf this weekend. Catherine Wolf is a young lady who at 26 had a massive stroke. And between the stroke, um, that the tragedy of that and then the um, surgeries that she had to get afterwards to sort of repair her, um, it permanently disabled and in a, in a drastic way. I mean, she can't use the, you know, much of her body. And what she said this weekend when we were together at a conference um, to man, an arena full of 7,000 women, we were talking together and she said, my wheelchair is just on the outside, mm-hmm. but everybody in here has got a wheelchair. Yeah. Everybody's disabled. Y- your, yours just might be on the inside, but you got a wheelchair too. Mm. And I thought, man, when she said that, isn't that the truth? Oh, yeah. it, just because you can't see my disability doesn't mean it's not present. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so look for any young woman that the Lord brings to your attention, even if it doesn't seem like she needs you. There's some area in her life where you can't even imagine, or maybe you can't see right now where she does. Yeah. That's yeah. so good. And mm-hmm. and one thing, too, that I'm as I was thinking back on with what you were saying, um, when I was a teenage girl and a young woman and in college, one thing that really helped that situation is that my mom blessed those women to invest in me. Mm-hmm. And she um, she didn't feel threatened by that. She didn't feel like that was, you know, any in any way like infringing on our relationship. But she right. blessed those women saying, hey, pour into Mary Margaret. Like, I would love for you to spend time with her. And it made me mm-hmm. feel free enough to be able to do that. And some of those women like and my mom is still the the woman who has discipled me more than anyone but mm-hmm. you know I think of countless women that she very much encouraged me to to spend time with and to get right. to know and those things made a difference mm-hmm. and you know what's really cool too that sometimes you might see a little girl and she's like eight or nine or ten or eleven and I remember there were several women in my church I've told them this since but there were several women in my church at the time I guess now they would have been maybe in their 20s 20 mid to late 20s and they just let me hang around them. Like yeah. I'm like mm-hmm. 10 and they were the, they would have been the cool women in the singles ministry at the time at our church. So I was like, Ooh, they're just all buddies and friends. They're in their twenties. They're cool. They're mm-hmm. living the life. And I would, on Sundays, I was just with them. I mean, they, they'd call me over to sit with them in their group and them allowing me to be with them, even for a couple of hours on a Sunday, or maybe one of them would pick me up for my birthday and take me somewhere. What that said to me is I'm valuable. When an older person like that takes a younger person under their wings, even though, to be honest with you, I can't remember any 
particularly specific lessons that I learned from them. Like it wasn't a sit down, let's do a Bible study relationship. I was 10. Mm -hmm. But just the fact that they showed, paid attention to me, it made me feel valued. And so I think that even before a young woman hits those ages where she might actually remember practical lessons, if you just pay attention to a 10-year-old girl, an 8-year-old girl, a 12-year-old girl, and sort of let her be on your hip and sit at church with you or just sort of have ice cream with you or remember her birthday, the value that that adds to that young girl's life is something that will shape the way she sees herself as she continues to grow into womanhood. Mm, That's good. I love Love it. So we kind of have a, this is one of our favorite questions to ask um, because we interview a lot of people like you who have been interviewed by multiple people for a lot of years. So you've been asked all kinds of questions about your ministry, your life. And so here's a question that, that we have, and we'll see this answer can be as silly or as deep as you want it to be. But what is a question <laughs> that no one has asked, but you would love to answer? <laughs> this is usually the reaction we get. Uh-huh. Um, what is a question nobody's asked? Mm-hmm. I have no idea. Okay, that's, <laughs> that's all right. Nobody's asked. I'm trying to think of what nobody has asked. That is a tough question, y'all. <laughs> that, that's an Elizabeth original right there. So yeah, well, I know that Elizabeth. She's a tough cookie <laughs> she now. She is. I just like to give the opportunity. If there's something that you're like, you know what? I've always wanted to share this recipe. No one's ever asked me for recipes, or like, <laughs> or it could be something really like no one's ever asked me about this aspect of my marriage or something, you know, like it could be, like I said, it could be as silly or as deep. And so sometimes we get some good answers. A lot of people don't know how to answer it. So I wouldn't know how to answer that question. I just thought we'd try it. (laughs) Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, I will say this is kind of funny. This is kind of funny. Everybody makes comments about my hair. Okay. But very few people ask me, um, I have people personally or people on social media that ask me, mm-hmm. but never like in a formal interview, has anybody ever asked me about my hair? But but people comment about it all the time, but nobody asks me. Okay, tell it. us about your hair. Tell it, talk to us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's so funny because every woman of color know has a hair story. And the reason why we have hair stories is because, you know, traditionally in our culture, in our country, straight hair has been the thing. And our hair, my hair doesn't naturally do the straight thing. So to make our hair straight, we've had to chemically relax it. So most of us in the 80s and the 90s, if you look at black women um, in in those decades, all of our hair was straight, probably not very long, um, probably not very thick because we were using a chemical called a relaxer to relax all the kinks and the curls and the texture and make it straight. But then um, about, well, for me, it's been like almost about 20 years now. I decided to cut off all that relaxer because a relaxer is permanent. It's a chemical that you can't wash out. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you have to cut it off completely to get it, to to get it gone. So most people don't remember me when I had hair that was it. I remember stretching it out and it came to my first knuckle. So it was about one inch long. Wow. Okay. Okay. So my hair was very short and I cut it all the way off. And so now I was only left with my natural hair and I had to learn how I had to retrain myself on how to even take care of my own natural hair. Because most of us as black women that were uh, came around in that in that uh, day and age, we hadn't taken care of our own natural hair in 
year. I mean, probably since we were little teeny girls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was like retraining myself to to do that. And it's one of the best. It's one of the hardest decisions that I've ever made. But it's one of the best decisions I've ever made. It's like my hair was waiting for me to stop putting chemicals on it to try to make it something it wasn't. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's like, thank you. I can finally be what I was created to be. And um, in the past two decades now, it's very infrequent that you see a woman of color whose hair isn't natural now. Everybody yeah. sort of is just letting their hair be what God made it. And there's a freedom in that. And there's something that um, I think is so important, even in regards to identity, because, you know, sameness in our culture has been so celebrated on both sides of the coin, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. whether you're a white woman or a black woman or a Hispanic woman or whatever, man, if you don't fit that little ideal of what beauty is, whether body size or facial features or hair, mm-hmm. then um, you feel so displaced. You feel like you're not accepted and you're not enough. Um, and I certainly have gone through that um, for a lot of different reasons, not the least of which was um, when I was coming up, coming up, you know, growing up, my hair was just different and I didn't want it to be different. Yeah. I wanted it mm-hmm. to be the same. Um, but I've realized now, this is one of the lessons actually I wrote in the book. Mm-hmm. I realized now in hindsight that because I look the way I look, that is why the Lord has been able to use me in these films. They mm. didn't need me to look like somebody else yeah. in these films. Right. Elizabeth Jordan needed to look like I look with my skin color and my hair. And then Miss Olivia Brooks, they had pictured in their mind when they were writing, the, writing this film, Olivia Brooks needed to be a black woman. She needed to have my hair. So if I or any of us, us dull our uniqueness. We don't even realize that we're dulling and diminishing the very part of us that God intended to be a unique reflection of his creative genius. Mm. And so I'm so glad that I'm finally comfortable in my own skin with my own hair. <laughs> and I'm excited to see how, you know, God can and will use it for his glory. Mm, yeah. I love that. That's so good. Yes. That was an excellent answer I know. to a big question. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it started out a little bit not as deep and then it got really I know. real. You and took it there. Yeah. I love it. Love it. And so as we kind of wrap up our conversation today, the question that we always ask because it's the Marked Podcast is what has marked you, Priscilla? Oh, man. Um, gosh, I've been marked by... By so many things. That's that's another great question. Um, <laughs> but as we've talked um, about mentoring and stuff, I can think about how I have been so marked by women that have made it their business to just sort of invest in my life. I literally can look back on moments in my life where things have shifted or my perspective was changed mm-hmm. or the Lord was preparing me for something new. And at that juncture, I can find a woman there yeah. that was willing to sort of encourage me and spear me on. And I'm so grateful for that. And something else that's marked me is um, challenge. In other words, I have appreciated the times when the Lord has put me in a position where I am outmatched. I don't like it in the moment. Right. Um, I feel overwhelmed. I feel like I can't do this. There's fear and intimidation in that. Certainly these movies like Overcomer are a part of that. I am not a trained actress. I'm not, you know, I haven't studied that craft and I have a new appreciation for people where that's their field filmmaking because I know now that it's not an accident. It doesn't happen just because you, you know, get up there and hope, hope so. It is a craft. And so I know every time they ask me to be in one of these films, which by the way is a shock to me. I'm like, are you sure (laughs) you want me to do that again? Mm -hmm. Um, 
But when they ask me and I stand there on that set, I'm constantly reminded, or when I stand on a platform to speak God's word, I'm constantly reminded I, in myself, am not qualified for this. I don't have the gifting or the skill or the talent on my own. Mm -hmm. And I've appreciated that because what the Lord keeps reminding me of and what I have a journal record of for years now are the times when I was willing by God's spirit to push past fear and insecurity and to step up there anyway Mm -hmm. and do it anyway. And then his strength is made perfect in my weakness. And I've kept a record of that since my early 20s of being outmatched, being challenged, being in over my head, but God keeps on coming through. And that track record marks me because it makes me face challenge in the future totally differently. I have my head up high Mm -hmm. and I have expectation that God is going to show up like he always has. Mm. Well, I mean, I don't know how you would add anything to that. I don't, I don't think we can. <laughs> yeah. That was so good. Thank so good. you. Um, just for, for sharing that insight with us and just sharing part of your heart with us today on this podcast. And um, just know your Lifeway family loves you a ton. Mm-hmm. And we're just so excited to to partner with you, to join with you, and just in how God is using you and your family in such great ways. And so um, if y'all who are listening today, we'll click over to our show notes. We'll show you how you can connect with Priscilla, with her ministry, how you can find her at events. Um, information about the movie, Bible studies, the book, all the things we will make sure we link to in today's episode show notes. But thank you so much again, Priscilla, for joining us today. Yes. Hey, thank you all. It's always good to see you. Good to see you too. too. Um, Well, thank you for joining us on this week's episode of the Mark Podcast, and we will see you next time. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to join in the conversation, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Mary Margaret C and at ED Heineman. Use the hashtag Marked Podcast to connect with us. You can also find Life by Women on all social media channels at Life by Women. All of today's show notes will be posted at lifebywomen.com forward slash podcast. And if you love the show, leave an iTunes review. It's a great way for other people to hear about the show. We will see you next time. Home should be a place where we feel at peace, where we can be ourselves, where we feel loved. For a lot of us, though, home is a place of heartache, hurt, and loneliness. As believers, Christ promises us an eternal home. But what does that actually look like? And how do we deal with our current homesickness? I recently wrote a Bible study called Come Home for Women, and I'm so excited that Come Home will also be available for teen girls. It's perfect for small groups, helps girls answer important questions, and gives us a richer understanding of what kind of home God's building for us. The release date for Come Home for Teen Girls is August 1st, but you can pre-order it now at lifeway.com slash come home. Don't miss out on this opportunity to help girls belong and be loved. Again, you can pre-order it today at lifeway.com slash come home.